The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. This is an interesting piece, I think, that has been highlighted in this particular retreat. I don't know that it's been highlighted so much in other of these retreats that I've done, but the, the recognizing or noticing where we lose mindfulness or what the situations are where it's harder. And I just want to restate that as being a really helpful practice. You know, on one retreat that I teach, I often emphasize that, you know, get curious about where you lose mindfulness, where it's hard. Do you find yourself lost when you're in the bathroom or in the kitchen? Are there particular states of mind you get lost in? Um, that you tend to have more difficulty being mindful in. Like when you get in the car, do you lose mindfulness? When you, um, when you uh, have a state of, of sadness or tiredness, is it easier to be mindful when you've slept well? So just get familiar with where it's easier and where it's harder. And um, when you notice where it's more difficult... Sometimes, like for instance, if you notice particular places it's more difficult like sitting in the chair by your desk, for instance, you know that's a little more difficult. So you put a post-it there, make, hopefully to make that easier. But also you can um, be curious, you know, you, not so much to try to make it happen every time, but be curious when you do notice, which may be three steps out, what was going on? Why was it that I didn't remember? You know, So when you do recognize it, a little bit of curiosity, and you may have a little taste of that, like in that situation, charge, I'm out, I'm, I'm going out to do something, you know, with the, the hurrying intention or the, the hunger intention, if you need to get some food or, you know, just what, what was it that kind of obscured that mindfulness? And then as you start to get familiar with those things too, um, you know, you can, you can start to be curious, like, if you notice particular states, like hunger, you know. So as soon as you, you, can, you can be curious about what is it about hunger? You know, why is it that, that hunger keeps me from being mindful? And there's nothing, there's basically nothing that we cannot be mindful of. You know, sometimes we have the idea that certain, certain states of mind, like tiredness, like too tired to be mindful or... Um, or a particular uh, state of confusion, couldn't possibly be mindful when I'm confused. You can be mindful of, of anything. And it's, um, so if you, if you ever find yourself with that belief or that idea, can't be mindful when I'm either doing X or in a state of X, you know, a certain state of mind, question it. Really question it and see if you can find an interest. Be interested in how might it be possible. And when you notice again and again and again and again that you've missed it, again, the failures of the failures, it's not really failure. It's, it's again, it's the habit of mind getting caught in a pattern that's very strong. And that commitment, ah, I'm just going to keep trying. Maybe I can catch it next time. Just keep Keep at it. And that intention to keep at it will begin to uh, support the mindfulness in those areas where we are not usual, where, we're, where we have less of a habit of mindfulness, less of a familiarity with mindfulness. This one practice 
of being interested in where I lose mindfulness and how I can extend mindfulness in those places where I'm typically not mindful, that one practice is responsible for much more of my kind of continuity through the day than any other practice that I've done. And so, you know, that's that it does take a willingness to recognize, oh, yeah, I failed. And also the willingness to not be perfect, to not, you know, but so curiosity, what's going on? Why is it that the mindfulness gets caught there? So thinking about mindfulness is something that comes and goes. You know, it's mindfulness itself is a state that appears and disappears. There are conditions for its appearance. There are conditions for its disappearance. So can we get familiar with the conditions that support its appearance and get familiar with the things that keep us from being mindful and be curious about those? How might it be possible? I mean, sometimes it's just an idea. It's just an idea. It's not possible to be mindful when I'm sleepy. Not possible to be mindful when I'm spaced out. So many different states of mind where we believe at some level or other it's not possible to be mindful, and it is. So that, that kind of, again, curiosity, real curiosity about, about that. So thank you for that. Peggy. Uh, she's yeah. What about watching TV, a game, or a movie? Is it is it possible to be mindful while watching a TV or playing playing a game or watching a movie? Yes, watching it is possible. Watch is it possible? Sports game. Oh, watching a sports game. I see. Watching watching like basketball or something. I'd say it's probably easier to be be mindful watching basketball than it would be to watch easy, than it is to be mindful while watching a story. But at the same time, you know, watching a story. Um, you can, uh, you know, one of the things you can do, and it could be a good practice actually, track how the content of the movie is making you feel. You know, you can be aware of that while it's happening. So that, that is, a, it's, a, it's an interesting practice um, in terms of exploring and kind of being with the rapidly changing states of emotion that happen for us in daily life, that happens for us as we respond to a, a film, you know, so that you can track that. And so that's a, that's a practice of what I, uh, one of my teachers calls 50-50 mindfulness, 50% of the attention on the content of what's happening. That might be reading a newspaper, it might be browsing the internet, it might be watching a movie, and 50% of the activity, uh, 50% of the attention on how we are in that, in that experience. And that, that also gives you a, a little bit of a practice in how to be mindful in the midst of a rapidly changing situation in life. So, yes, it's possible. <laughs> and you might find that you quickly don't want to watch a whole bunch of movies. <laughs> Beth, is it Beth? You could put this on. So, um, so you said that um, when you were uh, brushing your teeth and somebody was talking to you, you're, you were focused so much on the content of what they were saying, you couldn't be mindful, so you had to ask them to stop talking. And so that's one, that's one approach. Um, the other thing, you had an opportunity there, actually, to see 
uh, you know, part of what we have, what we have going around in mindfulness practice is an idea that being mindful means picking what we're paying attention to. So being mindful while brushing my teeth means being paying attention to the brushing or paying it something like that. So we have that idea. Um, being mindful while brushing your teeth means being mindful to what's obvious while that tooth brushing is happening. If that is somebody talking to you and that's where the attention is, you also could have just like, oh, what's obvious here is that there's somebody talking to me. Can I be mindful while I'm listening to them? While brushing my teeth. So you, you probably can't multitask. I mean, the, 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 you think you'll find that multitasking is um, really rapid attention shifting rather than true... Uh, able to pay attention to multiple things at a time. When the mind is relaxed, it can be aware of multiple things at a time. But in terms of attention, of a focused attention, usually there's one thing at a time that the mind pays attention to. And we get good at switching quickly between things. And so if you had the idea to try to be mindful of paying attention to the conversation and paying attention to the toothbrushing, that would be kind of like trying to multitask. And you'll find, I mean, I, I discovered this in talking to my mom on the phone one time. I was trying to, to talk on the phone to my mom and do something on the computer at the same time. And I discovered that when I, went, when I was typing on the computer for that like split second, I did not hear what my mom said. You know, and I had to... It was like embarrassing. <laughs> like, what did you say? <laughs> you know? So, so you know that when we're when we're, um, I was being mindful. I was being aware. But and then I noticed that, like, when I turned my attention to the computer, I lost the 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 ability to know what my mom was saying. So it was a it was a focus kind of thing. So, um, but there is the possibility of kind of relaxing and. You know, knowing, okay, this person's talking to me. That's what I'm aware of right now. And if the attention is, is taken to that, that's what, we're, that's what we notice. And we don't have to have the agenda that while we're brushing our teeth, it means that we're supposed to be paying attention to the brushing of teeth. So you were, you were remembering about mindfulness while you were brushing your teeth, and that's fantastic. See if you can open it up to just whatever's coming at you at that time. So not necessarily having the idea that we have to choose what being mindful, what we are being mindful of. I'll give you an example about this. Um, again, from my own practice, this, this idea, this recognition of thinking I'm supposed to be paying it, be, when I'm mindful of something, it means I'm paying attention to that thing. Um, that was an idea I had that basically being mindful meant I chose what I paid attention to. And um, one morning I was eating breakfast and I was, this was not on retreat, this was daily life practice and I was being mindful while I was eating my breakfast and that meant in my mind at that moment, that meant paying attention to the lifting of the spoon and the putting the food in my mouth and the chewing and all of that. And then I would notice the mind was gone. It kind of spaced out. And, and then it's like, oh, I woke up. It's like, oh, I'm back. Come back to breakfast. So that happened several times. And at some point, 
I got curious, as I was describing to you a little while ago, I got curious about what is it that the mind is getting lost to? You know, what is, it, what is that state that the mind is going to? It was kind of a spaced out state. And you might think that, oh, you know, and I certainly used to think spaced out state, mindfulness, not possible to be mindful of spaced out. By definition, I thought that being mindful meant you would not be spaced out. But I got curious about this state of mind and what was going on as, you know, so it's like I was paying attention to the breakfast and I got curious about when the mind let go of paying attention to breakfast, paying attention to the eating, the putting food in my mouth and that whole process. And I, I noticed that the mind kind of let go of that and it, kind, it, it went into this kind of hovering state. It was a kind of a very relaxed, very pleasant state that it kind of felt like my attention, my mind, my mind was hanging out up here somewhere. Zzz, with a little buzz. And uh, I could notice that. I could be aware of that. And in being aware of that, I wasn't particularly aware of what was around me. I don't even know if I continued to eat breakfast. I don't remember. But I was a very aware of that kind of buzzy, relaxed state of mind. And after about 30 seconds, that buzzy, relaxed state of mind vanished. And then I was sitting, eating my breakfast. And I recognized in that moment that that pull away from what I was, I had the agenda. This is what I'm doing. This is being mindful. My mind had another idea. My mind had another, my mind had the idea that it needed some rest, actually. That it was tired. And that spacing out was its way of taking rest. I was like not giving it the opportunity to rest. And it just like, the mind was like going to win on this one. So when I allowed it to do that and was mindful of it, it lasted a very short time. And then it passed. And the mind actually felt quite awake and refreshed after that. So, you know, there's, that's, an, that's one of those examples of seeing, can I follow the attention? Can, can the mindfulness follow into what's already happening as opposed to having the agenda of what am I supposed to be paying attention to? So somebody, uh, somebody at the Sunday session mentioned, you know, taking a walk and just being available for the seeing and the hearing, and suddenly they were noticing smells. You know, so that's a similar kind of... Um, thing. It's like, you know, rather than having the agenda of supposed to be paying attention to certain things, be open to what's here. And, uh, uh, you know, play with that this week when, when you're um, playing with your mindfulness. You know, see, is there an idea of being mindful means I'm supposed to pay attention to this certain thing? And see if you can let go of that and be more curious about, well, what's, what is the mind right now interested in paying attention to as opposed to me personally? What, what, is, the, what is the mind kind of naturally gravitating to? It can be a very interesting, really fun exploration sometimes. Uh, one thing I didn't talk about with respect to working with thoughts um, is using... 
wisdom reflection. So maybe I did a little bit last night. Um, so using wisdom with it. We talked, I talked a lot last night about noticing the drawbacks of certain thoughts. Um, but also, you know, just, just bringing in a little bit of, um, of wisdom around this is not helpful. This is, um, uh, I don't know, you'd have to find your own wisdom there. And, you know, so if you can find a little bit of wisdom that supports you to let go as opposed to using aversion to let go. Um, it actually, in working with um, what the Buddha called working with distracting thoughts, the Buddha had five tools. Well, six if you include mindfulness as the first one, that these are... These are uh, Things to try when mindful when mindfulness of thoughts is not effective. Um, the first one is replacing. So you've got these thoughts in your mind, and you could try replacing them with more wholesome thoughts. So this could be wisdom thoughts that you bring in, or just shifting, uh, shifting to maybe doing some metta in your mind. You know, so just like stop thinking those thoughts and start putting other thoughts in your mind. Again, not with aversion, but just, oh, okay, just let's try some other thoughts here. So that's the first one, replacing. Um, the second one is uh, uh, reflecting on the drawbacks of those thoughts. And in terms of explaining, you know, what are, what is, do you have a sense of the drawback of that? Is there is there a drawback or is it well, is something that's annoying? It's not uh, helping me to be any anything that's important or okay in, uh-huh. encouraging me or um, helping me to learn things. It's just kind of like a um, seems like a, a feedback loop that just you know keeps going. Okay, so so you could reflect on that that this is not furthering my, uh, you know, in a way, you know, it's not furthering my... Um, development. Yeah, my development or what I'd like to be doing, where I'd like to be going. Um, so that's the second one, contemplating the drawbacks. The third one is ignoring. <laughs> and this one is without aversion, putting your attention on something else. And this is one I've used quite a bit. So noticing certain kinds of thoughts arising in my mind. I put my attention on something neutral. You know, feet on the ground, butt on the cushion, you know, just let myself pay attention to something else. Not, not using, um, if you get to that level, it's possible something like metta is not going to be so effective, you know. So uh, picking something neutral I found to be a really helpful um, tool for letting go of a, of a kind of a strong thinking pattern. The fourth one is... No. Uh, the fourth one is what they call um, fi- uh, seeing the uh, seeing the. Essentially, it's something like seeing where the thoughts originate. Um, so that would be kind of looking at the underlying emotional tone. What's going on underneath it? 
You know, so there's the thoughts, but there's, there's something happening, a, a sense perhaps of self-justification or self-righteousness. Or, and what's that? You know, starting to get familiar with that. Um, and then there may be something even underneath that. Once you've, you've gotten familiar with that, there may be a sense of wanting to feel safe or secure. You know, so there, there's, there's a variety of things you can explore in that realm. The fifth one is the one you're using more or less, which is just say no. Just say no to those thoughts. And that one the Buddha really recommended when... You know, I think that, that the recommendation on that one is if those thoughts are going to cause harm or are leading you into a harmful situation, that would be a time to say really strongly no. You know, like um, I had one, no, one person who was really struggled with uh, strong depression and she began to recognize the state of mind, the thoughts that were heading her into that just sunk state. And so as she began to see those, there was this upwelling of, no, I'm just not going to go there. And so it was a really strong kind of no. But that no, that strong no actually came from compassion rather than aversion. And, um, you know, that would be a time when it, it might be possible there would be certain kinds of thoughts. If certain kind of thoughts were actively going to lead you into harming someone, you might want to use aversion in your mind to shut it down. But that, that, that one, I think, is one that you would, you would use sparingly. So I would encourage you to explore, you know, it sounds like that aversion is coming mostly from not liking it as opposed to it really leading to real harm. Yeah, not real harm. More uh, justification. <laughs> Go ahead. You can turn it on again for a sec. Um, sometimes there's certain thoughts like that, and, and it varies in our daily life whether we'll see this kind of thought or not. You know, the, the kind of thought you're talking about of like revisiting childhood things. Sometimes those c- thoughts arise unbidden. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we pick up those thoughts and actively think about them. Mm-hmm. The unbidden ones we usually cannot stop. But when we've picked it up and then started to churn about it, that's where we do have some traction. Mm-hmm. There's, there's kind of a more conscious intention. It's almost as if I consciously have decided to pick it up and think about it. And when that happens, we do have the possibility of kind of saying no to that and saying, you know, that's not helpful. Sometimes, and this might be more of what um, was happening with Jeannie in a way, the um, narrating the story, you know, Sometimes it's just that's what the mind is doing, and it's not so much that we're actively doing it. It's just such a habit that that is what the mind is doing. And trying to stop it is really hard because there's not a conscious intention to be doing it. So this is a different kind of thinking. It's, a, it's actually a, it's almost a subtler level of thinking in a way. And the more mindful we are, the more the mindfulness gets... Um, stronger, the more we start to see the kind of thinking that's not so intentional. Um, you know, the, the kind of thinking where we're thinking about what are we going to do tomorrow and kind of picking up and jumping on the bandwagon of things I need to do or they need to do or, you know, so those kinds we can, we can kind of set down. But when we start opening to thoughts that are habitual 
and very conditioned, it's like there's not even a proce- there's not even necessarily a, a process that we're consciously engaging in to think those thoughts. And so trying to shut them down does end up feeling more like repression. So, you know, just to, to begin to distinguish between those two kinds of thoughts. Sometimes the thoughts from our childhood are that other kind of thought where they're coming unbidden. And if they are coming unbidden, what I'd suggest is just open to the feeling that is mm-hmm. kind of following from it. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you explore, yeah, I don't need to pick these thoughts up and you, you know, put, set it down and they keep coming back, there may be something else going on for you to just open to in that case. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there's the, di- the different kind of thoughts that way. Sure. <laughs> um, so it can be interesting, especially on the trips here and home, um, to play with simplicity and silence. Um, just see what happens if you don't do your habitual thing of whatever, listening to the radio, if you listen to the radio, um, sometimes this week can be a time to see what, what can I let go of so that it becomes more like a retreat. You know, simplifying, simplifying activities, not being engaged in quite so much busyness, maybe picking one meal a day to, um, uh, to eat in silence. Um, so just, just explore the possibility of, of that. It may not work for all of you, but I just offer that as a, as a support for kind of entering into this more fully as a retreat. So I'll see some of you tomorrow morning. Thank you. Mm